0: Judea, 4 BC, 20 centuries ago. Sanctified hope is whispering like a still small voice in the hearts of devout Jews throughout the land. No clear prophetic word has been heard for 400 years, yet the spirit of prophecy is fluttering afresh over the ancient writings of Isaiah and Micah, like a great bird anticipating its descent. Religious systems and would-be prophets are settled in their convictions as to the purpose and manner of Messiah's advent. The injustice of worldly Roman oppression is crying out for vengeance. Poverty, ignorance, disease continues to plunder the people. In the heavens, inquiring angels are assembling for their choir practice. Demons are snickering, ignorant, and unchallenged. Wicked King Herod is proud of his politically correct rebuilt temple. The priestly house of Zechariah and Elizabeth is quiet. A young couple from the house of David are laughing as they plan their wedding and their future together. Somewhere in private in Jerusalem, an old man is still alive because of God's unfailing promise is stronger than the last enemy. In a small prayer chamber inside the house of the Lord, an old woman weeps and prays as she has done for the past 80 years, longing for the coming of Messiah. Gabriel is in the heavens reminding Daniel of his famous prophecy. Faithful shepherds like David are singing over their folds. Wise men are scanning the heavens. The heart of the sovereign God is stirring with the awareness of an everlasting covenant. The bosom of the Father is swelling with love, inspired to speak his word. The Holy Spirit, the power of the highest, stands ready to overshadow a habitation of purity. The stage is set. It's time for the deliverer to appear. Those words paint a picture of first century Israel. With people that have lived in oppression, not just physical oppression, but spiritual oppression that are ready to be free. They are longing for the call of what the prophets long ago had written That in the middle of their hopelessness, God would raise up a deliverer. That one day would be heralded through all the earth the announcement of good news. That Messiah has come. Today I want us to look in Luke chapter 2 this morning. Luke in the second chapter. I want to talk for the next three weeks leading up to Christmas On this subject, Jesus is the good news. Jesus is the good news. Um, The thing about uh, this place here, that sermon could literally and is literally preached 52 weeks a year. Because it's all about Jesus. But I love this time of year because of the centrality of the message that we hear. The message of Good news going forth. The message that the Savior is here. The message that God's kingdom is established. The message that hope has arisen in the midst of darkness. You know, the times that we live in, though unique to us or not unique to world history, the time that the Jews lived in in Jesus' day and right before the birth of Jesus was they were under oppression. They were under religious oppression. They were under political oppression. They lived in a world that they knew war. They knew hurt. They knew terrorism. They knew poverty. They knew oppression. They know all the things that we know today in our world. And when, they li- when, when living under the, the cloud that they did, they had to cling to hope. And I'm telling people today that under the clouds that we have to live in, we have to cling to hope. We have to clean up. You see, because the thing is, is that they were hoping, expecting someone to come, a deliverer to come. However, sometimes I think we forget that we live in the age that hope has already come. And hope is already here in the form of Jesus. That the expectancy that we have is a reality in our lives. That's why in the song that we just sang, it's possible to have God's presence around you, but yet you not be aware of God's presence. God wrote through his prophet, behold, I do a new thing. Will you not perceive it? Will you not know it? Will you not understand it? God is doing his stuff. God is moving in his ways. However, the question is not what God's doing. The question is, who are we and what are we tuned into? Are we tuned into the things of the world or are we tuned into the mind of the Spirit? And how you answer that question will determine the quality of your life with Christ. It would be my suggestion because I'm not here to run anybody's life. I'm just here to preach Jesus. But it would be my suggestion that you would tune into the ear and the mind of the Spirit that will lead to life and peace, rather than have our minds set on the things that the enemy's trying to do that lead to death and destruction. Is anybody with me in this place this morning? Absolutely. Jesus is the good news. Out of nowhere, shepherds were minding their own business, keeping watch over their flock by night. They had no idea what was getting ready to happen. I love God's surprises. I love God's surprises that when we're not even expecting something, God shows up. So you have shepherds doing their shepherdly duty. Why did God talk to shepherds? I believe God talked to shepherds because way back in the Old Testament, God said, "My people are scattered like sheep." And He says, the shepherds, which round which up being the Pharisees and the scribes of Jesus' day, that the shepherds were not tending and not caring and bringing in the sheep. So He said, "I will raise up shepherds after my own heart." Specifically, I will raise up a shepherd. And that shepherd was Jesus. And Jesus looked over the city of Jerusalem. And he looked on them with compassion. And he looked on them as sheep having no shepherd. And Jesus came for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus told his disciples, Go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He said, I have come to seek and to save that which was lost. What was that which was lost? It was the scattered sheep of God's people that had been scattered. And Jesus came to leave the 99 to go after the one sheep that had become lost. And to pick up that lost, scattered sheep, to put that sheep on his shoulders, and bring him back into the fold. And that's what Jesus had done. That's why I believe that Jesus that, that the angels appeared to these shepherds. I want to read this morning in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 8. The Scripture says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. That, that, that is the key. That is our heart. That is the gospel. That is the message. I Do not be afraid. I've come to bring you good news. And this good news will cause great joy to all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and... Lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. You may be more familiar with the term on earth peace and goodwill toward men. That shows you God's intention. God's intention was peace, goodwill, favor, and grace to his people. The time had arrived. The good news of the gospel, which by the way, gospel means good news. The good news of the gospel is now being heralded throughout the earth far away as wise men in the east country that will hear the annunciation of the good news and the annunciation of the good news that messiah your deliverer your savior the one that had come to take away the sins of the world the one that is sent to gather in the sheep the one that has came to establish the kingdom of god the good news that messiah is here and the kingdom is established on this earth is the message of the good news. And I'm thankful that that message, being heralded to shepherds, heralded throughout the known world, heralded all over the earth, heralded in the heavens, heralded down through the ages, to you and I, that we can stand here proclaiming Jesus is the good news. Now, there are three parts to the good news that we're going to talk about over the next three weeks. Today, we're going to talk about the promise of good news. The promise of good news. The Jews in Jesus' day were looking for something. They They were praying for something, expecting Messiah to show up. And what was the cause of their expectation? Well, the cause of their expectation was they had read in their scriptures, in the Hebrew Bible, in our Old Testament, they had read through their own prophets that God was sending a deliverer. That good news was going to be heard by people and that the Savior was going to come. So they were expecting the promise to be fulfilled. Uh, The second thing, we want to talk about the announcement, the proclamation of the good news. Next week, we'll talk about the essence. What is good news? And I'll go ahead and, and, and give you a spoiler alert that the church has taken the good news through the ages. The church has taken the good news and has turned it into the good advice. And we're not called to preach the good advice. We're called to declare the good news. So we'll get into that next week. And then we'll end the, week, the Sunday before Christmas talking about the person of the good news. It's not about a program. It's not about a process. It's not even about a church. It's about a person named Jesus. I'm not bringing you to some Christian formula. I'm not bringing you to, to Antioch is not your savior. No other church is your savior no other denomination is your Savior. No other religion is your Savior. There's one Savior, and he's a person. When you, when you encounter the programs, you're still going to be empty. When, when you encounter just, just just a system, you're still going to be empty. But I promise you this. When you encounter a person named Jesus, your life will never be the same again. Never so let's look at the promise of the good news this morning. The central message of Christianity is a message of good news. If we're not preaching the good news, we're not preaching and proclaiming the gospel. It's good news which causes great joy unto all people. It doesn't matter if you're rich. It doesn't matter if you're poor. It doesn't matter if you're white. It doesn't matter if you're black. It doesn't matter if you grew up in America or grew up in in Saudi Arabia. It's the good news that causes great joy to all people. Uh, And and that good news is for everybody. Jesus is the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. The issue is is that the religious people in Jesus' day... uh, They were having their own religious elitism and they were oppressing others around them that they felt were not good enough to receive the covenant of God. They were oppressing the outcasts and, 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 and those that were caught up in sin, in sin and, and those that were living a life that, that was just far away from God. Those were the scattered sheep. When Jesus, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, when he begins to, to talk about the lost sheep and the lost coin and the prodigal son, which is, in essence, the lost son, he told those parables as two crowds were listening to him. It says that the publicans and the sinners were there, and Jesus was eating with the publicans and the sinners. And then the Pharisees and the scribes come to Jesus, or and, or they come among themselves, and they say, this guy, this man, receiveth sinners and even eats with them. They were appalled that, that this religious man, Jesus, would fellowship with people that were they thought not as worthy as they were and that's when jesus looked at them and he told them this parable of the lost sheep he says that jesus is that god is not in heaven rejoicing over the 99 righteous sheep or the 99 righteous that are faithful to the flock it is when that one lost sheep is gathered and carried back to the flock that the angels in heaven rejoice he says, God's not rejoicing. You know, God isn't rejoicing. He, you know, we're not getting brownie points just because we're sitting in a building today, this thing called the church, because there are lost sheep all around us that need the good news of the gospel that's going to cause great joy in their life. And it doesn't matter who they are or what they've gotten themselves into. When the, when we go out and seek the lost sheep, that is when heaven will rejoice. And that is what Jesus is talking about. That's the message. The angels, the angels, the heavenly choir didn't appear to kings. The heavenly choir didn't appear uh, to the who's who and the, the fortune 500 people over in in Jerusalem. He appeared to shepherds because the good news is for all people. The the upper, middle, the beat down, the depressed, the sad, the outcast, the sick, the poor, every the good news is for all people. People, all people. So many times we just want the pretty people in church. We just want the ready-made Christians, the ones that know the lingo and know the Bible and are are doing everything right. Well, guess what? There's not any of them. We are all lost sheep. We are all, I'm going to have to dig this back out and redo it and preach. About five years ago, I preached uh, a sermon called Wanted Messed Up People, I preached a series on that of how God only uses messed up people, all right? Because we are all messed up and everybody's God God uses already messed up. But I am so glad that in the midst of my mess, in the midst of my sin, in the midst of my problems, in the midst of my hangups, there was good news that was heralded down to me and it brought me great joy no matter what I was doing in my life. And Jesus is the good news. So, good news, great joy, all people. Somebody say, good news, great joy, all people. Good news, great joy, all people. The angel appeared to the shepherds with this proclamation that a Savior has been born. I want us to look in two Old Testament passages today that point toward in the prophet's day, pointed toward the good news. And these were two of the passages of the Old Testament that uh, the Jews knew very, very well. Uh, And this was two of the promises that God had made. Uh, So the the two scriptures, I'll go ahead and give you both of them. Uh, The two scriptures are Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 9. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 1 through 9. Let me tell you what the message of this is the promise of Isaiah 49. The promise of Isaiah 49 is, Here is your God. I think we have that on the screen. Can we put that up on the screen? Here is your God. Isaiah 40, 1 through 9. That's the promise. Here is your God. When Jesus stepped on the scene, the angels were saying, Here is your God. Here is your God. It was the return of Yahweh, of of God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It was the the return of Yahweh to his people. Here is your God. Promise number two comes from Isaiah 52, verses 1 through 7. And the promise of Isaiah 52, 1 through 7, is your God reigns. Here is your God and your God reigns reign. So we're going to look at these two promises. Um, So if you want to follow along in Isaiah chapter 40, we'll be in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 40. Here is your God. Thomas, I don't know if we can pull those scriptures up or not. I was going to do that, and it slipped my mind. Isaiah chapter 40 was written to people who were defeated and discouraged. How many of you have ever felt defeated and discouraged? Let me see your hand. Raise it so other people can see it too. So all the other defeated and discouraged people can see they're not alone. Okay. We've all felt defeated and discouraged. We've all felt beat down. Now, however, the situation here in Isaiah is maybe a little different situation. What you're dealing with here are Jews living in exile, In Babylon, they were taken captive from their own land, Jerusalem, and they were carried away captive into a foreign nation, Babylon. And we thought we had a bad day because we didn't get the Christmas present we wanted to at the price we did on Black Friday, and we're discouraged with that. But they were literally carried away captive in captivity. No hope. Every, their life that they knew was over. And even though many would return, it would never be the same again. All of their promises as covenant people of God seemed to be taken away from them. The central aspect of their devoutness of being Jews was the temple and God's presence. Well, the temple was destroyed. They have no temple, and they saw that as the presence of God was no longer with them. And it's in the midst of this situation that God speaks to them. I think I pointed this scripture out a couple of times in the past few months. I've really been digging through Isaiah the past several months, so I probably referenced it, but up to chapter 39, there's not a lot of good news in Isaiah. Uh, at chapter 40 in Isaiah is a turning point. Uh, up to chapter 39, it's all judgment. It's all doom and it's all gloom and it's all about their sin and how God was going to judge them and, and, and all, all of these things. And Chapter 40, there begins to be a, a different tone to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah has 66 chapters. Your Bible has 66 books. 39 books in your Old Testament that talk about the law and the judgment on the law and the unfaithfulness of God's people. 39 books. In the 40th book of your Bible, which is the first book of the New Testament called Matthew, Jesus appears. Hope appears. Messiah has come on the scene. So the first words in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1, is this. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith God. Notice the first word is comfort. It's no longer, now now they're sitting in the midst of a foreign country, but it's no longer judgment. It's no longer exile. It's comfort. God is speaking words of comfort over his people. The first thing is comfort. So, I want you to know that even when we're defeated and discouraged and it feels like we've given up hope, if we listen to the word of the Lord, He will say, I will comfort you in the midst of your mess. God will come to you right in the middle of what you're dealing with, He'll come to you right in the middle of your sickness right in the middle of your depression, right in the middle of life that has thrown you for a loop, right in the middle of your situation, God is not intimidated nor turned off by your circumstances in life. He's not turned off by your troubles. He's not turned off by your mess ups and mistakes. He's a God that wants to be ever present in the midst of your heartache and your heartbreak in order to mend it back together. Speaking words of comfort into your life. Hear the words of the prophet today. Not just hear them with your ears. Hear them with your hearts. God's saying, comfort ye. Comfort ye, my people. The next thing that he tells them in verse number two, speak ye comfortably or tenderly to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Somebody say the war is over. The war is over. over war is over your warfare is accomplished the hand that was turned against you will now be taken off of you the hand that you feel that you've been dealt in life the warfare is accomplished the sin that we feel that is holding us down, when you look at the cross, the cross says, your warfare has been accomplished. The war is over. The next thing he says, her iniquity is pardoned. Her iniquity is pardoned. Jerusalem, what you have done up until this point, counts no more. Your iniquity is pardon the war is over he says she has received of the lord's hand double for all of her sins now see if this next verse sounds familiar verse number three the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness prepare ye the way of the lord remember that from last christmas because i probably hadn't been read since last christmas John the Baptist. John the Baptist announcing the king is coming, announcing Jesus, behold the Lamb of God. Some of us need to behold the Lamb of God. Some of us have been beholding our circumstances and mistakes too long. Some of us has been beholding what is wrong with us, and we need to behold the Lamb of God that says your warfare is accomplished, your iniquity has been pardoned. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in a desert the highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, shall be exalted. Every mountain and hill shall be made low. The crooked shall be made straight and the rough places plain. Get ready is what he's saying. Somebody say, get ready. Get ready. He's saying, comfort, comfort my people. Your warfare is accomplished. Your sin has been paid for. Get ready. The Lord is on his way. The Lord is on his way. I I don't know if I should go here or not, but I love it. The, The message is declared before Jesus even finishes his work on the cross. He's the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin. He ain't even been to the cross yet. Yeah, but this is the Lamb. This is the Deliverer. This is the Savior. Get ready. The Lord is on His way to bring salvation to your house. The Lord is on His way. The people had to prepare themselves, prepare their hearts. And the message that John the Baptist preached was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The word is the word metanoia to change your mind, that you're going to have to have a shift in your mind in order to receive the Messiah that is coming in his way and the way of the kingdom of God because it's opposed to any other way that you've ever known. Get ready. The glory of the Lord will be revealed. Verse number five, the glory of the Lord will be revealed and the, all the people will see it together. For the, mountain of the, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. When God makes a promise and God speaks it, it's a sure thing. It's a sure thing. It's a sure thing. Verse number six, a voice says, cry out. And he said, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withers and the flower fades because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. Everything that we see around us is as grass. The grass withers and the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. The word that he has spoken to his people, even though people come and go, situations change nations rise nations fall there's good times and there's bad times there's good days and bad days there's prosperous times and there's times of poverty but through it all the grass withers the flower fades but the word that the lord has spoken shall stand forever shall stand forever through the changing times god's word hasn't changed Through the changing seasons, God's word and his promises never change. Through times of turmoil, God's word never changes at all. God does not update his words and update his promises because he got it wrong the first time. God's promises are sure. And in the days that we face, which are days in our world of uncertainty and days of fear in days of bad things happening all around us, let me just encourage you today that the grass withers and the flower fades and times come and times go, but the word of the Lord shall stand forever. His promises are sure in your life. The circumstances of this world do not move God. They do not change anything about him. God is our rock in every season that we walk through. Then he says in verse number nine, you who bring good news, O Zion that bringeth good tidings, get up to a high mountain. O Jerusalem that bringeth good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up and be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God. Comfort, comfort, ye my people. Your warfare is accomplished. Your sin has been paid for. Get ready. The Lord is on the way. The crooked place will be made straight. The rough place will be played. His glory will be revealed. His word has spoken it. People come, people go. The flower fades. The things of this earth withers. But the Lord, uh, the word of the Lord endures forever. So sound it out like a trumpet. That here is your God. So what the prophet? So what the prophet was saying? What the shepherds were saying, what John the Baptist was saying, is he was saying, Behold your God. Yahweh has visited his people. Jesus says, I am Emmanuel, God with us. He says, I will tabernacle among you. And Jesus came to reveal the heart of the Father for his people. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So that means when I see Jesus stoop down with the sinners and the tax collectors. When I see Jesus stoop down and embrace those that were broken. When he said to fulfill another prophecy, I've come to preach the good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captive, recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised and bound up and to preach the year of the Lord's favor. When he spoke those words it was God speaking those words. When Jesus went to those that were down and out with nothing it was God going to them. When Jesus, when Jesus forgives the sins of the man that was let down through the roof and he said your sins are forgiven you it was God that was visiting them. When he looked at Zacchaeus and he said I'm going to your house today and he extended grace to him it was God doing that. It was God doing that. Here is your God. Full of truth and justice and love and mercy. The promise of the good news is here. The promise of the good news is here. You know, I'll say that to a later time. That's too good. I can't give it right now. I got it. Save some for later. Isaiah 52, real quick, Isaiah 52. Just a few chapters over, Isaiah 52. The message of Isaiah 52 is your God reigns. Here is your God and your God reigns. Isaiah 52, verse number one. Now remember, Isaiah 40 started with comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Your sins are forgiven. Your warfare is over. Messiah is here. So now what's the message? What's the promise now? Well, the promise now is awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. Put on the beautiful garments, O Jerusalem. The holy city. For henceforth there shall be, uh, there shall no more come unto thee uncircumcised and the unclean. What's the word here? The word here is awake, awake. It was comfort. Your sins are forgiven. Your your God is here now. It's wake up, change your garments. He's saying, put on your garments of royalty. Because now you are no more associated with the dust of the earth and the filth of an exile. But God has brought you out. The warfare's accomplished. Your Savior is here. Now it's time for you to put on your strength. Put on your royal garments. Awake and take your place as God's people in the world. See, here's what I love about Jesus. He comes to us when we're in the dirt. But he lifts us up. And he puts us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he's saying, no more are you associated with the dirt anymore. No more will you let the dirt be your identity anymore. No more will you let the sin rule who you are. No more will you let the hang ups and the circumstances of this world determine your worth as a child of God. Arise, wake up, and take your place. Change your garments. Put on your strength. Verse number two, he says, shake thyself from the dust. Just what I said. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise and sit down, O Jerusalem. Take your place of rest. Take your place of rest. Loose thyself from the bands of your neck. Take off the chains that have held you captive. Take off your chains. For this is what the Lord says. You were sold for nothing. And you shall be redeemed without money. You were a slave to sin. You were a slave in your exile. You were a slave in your dirt. You were a slave to your sin. But you've been comforted. The war's been accomplished. Your sin's been paid for. Your God is here. And now wake up, change your clothes, and take your place. Remove your chains, for you have been redeemed by the Lord. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, verse 4. At first, my people went down a uh, fourth time into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. And now, what do. Uh, Now, therefore, what have I here, saith the Lord, that my people is taken away for nothing. They that rule over them make them to howl, saith the Lord. And my name continually every day is blasphemed. That's what happened when they were in captivity. The next thing he says, therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he that doth speak. Behold, it is I. Then he quotes this. Verse number seven, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings and publishes peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that says unto Zion, thy God reigns. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And proclaim peace. In a world of war, in a world of hate, we're called to show love. In a world of sin, we're called to show righteousness. You see, Christianity, the church, is not supposed to be a subculture of the of the world. We're to be a counterculture of the world. We're to counter the culture. We're not to be like the culture. We're not to be like the culture. When we get slapped on one cheek, we're supposed to turn the other one. When we're compelled to go one mile, we go to, When my brother asked for your coat, you gave him your cloak also. Jesus came to be a countercultural person, countering the culture of Rome and countering the culture of the Jews and Judaism and their religion. He says, proclaim the good news. And I've settled in my heart a long time ago. Even if everyone else in the world proclaims the bad news, I'm going to proclaim the good news. It doesn't matter. I turn on my television and I say, wow, that's bad. But then I say, the gospel hasn't changed. I pick up a newspaper and I read horrible things. And I'm tempted to say, wow, there's nothing good. But then I say, the good news doesn't change. Jesus had not changed just because of what I've seen in this world. He doesn't change just because of my circumstances. Because I know my God reigns. I know he's here and I know he reigns. And I know how blessed those are that bring the gospel of good news, that speak the words of peace, that bring joy together. Notice it mentions three things here. It mentions peace, which is the word shalom, which shalom is an amazing word. Uh, It's a wholeness of peace, completeness of peace. It's completeness, soundness, safety, welfare, health, prosperity, peace, quiet, tranquility, contentment, peace, uh, peace friendship, relationship, reconciliation. That's what, that's what shalom is. It's, it's an all-encompassing peace over every area of your life, bringing good out of your life. Good tidings, happy, prosperous, kind, right, overflowing, abundant. The good news that brings a great joy and salvation, deliverance. Two more verses I want to conclude with. Guys, you can, you can come on up. So what's the conclusion of this? What, what, what does the prophet tell the people to do? Before they had been crying and howling, crying out to God because of their captivity and their circumstance and their situation, how beat down and no hope that they feel. Now he looks at them in verse number eight, and he says, listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion. He says, burst into song for joy. Together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people and has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations. And all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. tells us, people rejoice because your God is here in the midst of your exile praise him like his promises have already been fulfilled in the midst of your circumstance lift up a shout to your God in the midst of everything lift up your head and their discouragement will turn into joy Anticipation And hope There's a promise To them That Isaiah gave And there's a promise to you this morning There's a promise to you that Here's your God Here's your God Bringing salvation and peace to your life Here is your God that reigns above everything and that the things that we have, we just have to come and we have to lay them and put him, put them in his hands and let him reign over them. Let him be God. So many times we, we want to hold on to everything and God says, just give it to me. He's the Lord over your life. He's the Lord over your family. There's been times I can't fix my family. I go, they're difficult, so what do you do? You just have to lay everything out to the Lord. To say, God, you are king, rule in this situation. Take authority over the things that are coming against us in our lives. There's good news, and Jesus is the good news. It's not your human wisdom, it's not your strength. I know we're all great people in here, but it has nothing to do with us. We will always come to the end of our ability but you will never reach the end of God's ability because it has no end in your life. The good thing about it is God's not calling me to bear the weight of everything on my own self. He didn't come to put that on me. he came that I can release it and put it on Him and that He can give me His peace and righteousness in the midst of my stuff. God's come to give that that turn our discouragement into expectation and hope. There's a promise to you to lift up your head, to arise and take your place, to declare that now is the time for the promises of God to come to pass in your life. They, as I said at the beginning of the message, they were looking for the Messiah. They were looking ahead. We don't have to look. He's already come. He's already brought salvation. He's already brought His kingdom. He's already sent the Holy Spirit. He's already made a way where there seems to be no way. We're not looking for something. We're looking to Him that is right here in our lives. Behold your God. Behold your God. His promises are sure. His promises are now. The promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. The war is over. Awake. God is here and he reigns today. And nothing changes the news of the good news that brings great joy unto all people. You are qualified today. The good news is about you. The good news is about what Jesus has done for you. Uh, He took your sin. He paid for your sin on the cross and He took your sin out of the way and has given you forgiveness. Today you can receive forgiveness in your life. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you did 50 years ago. It doesn't matter what you did last night. It doesn't matter what you did this morning. You can receive God's forgiveness in your life for your sin and be made righteous and holy today. Behold the Lamb of God. Put your faith and trust in Jesus as your only hope. Nothing in our own strength, nothing in our goodness, but the good news that brings great joy to all people. You meet the qualification of all people. All people's all people. So today, if you're a people, you can have great joy. Because the good news is for you. Let's stand together.